Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia, and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Hey, peeps. Welcome back. Last week, we dove into the first part of Sojourna Truth's life. Born into slavery only to emancipate herself and go through a religious awakening, Truth had already lived through several lifetimes before the Civil War hit in 1861 when she was nearing 70. And though quite old for the time period, Truth wasn't done just yet. So this week, we're going to wrap up the life and times of Ms. Sojourner Truth. A bit of warning, dear listeners, I'm going to be quoting a few published profiles of Truth in this episode. As I will discuss before using the quotes, the authors took liberties with how Truth truly spoke in an effort to emphasize their own narrative. Growing up a slave in Dutch New York, Truth most definitely did not speak in the manner with which she is quoted, but this apparently did not seem to bother the writers charged with capturing her work. It can be a bit off-putting, and so I want you to be prepared. Grab your cup of coffee, peeps. Let's do this. When I left you last, Truth was knee-deep in her travels, preaching about faith and against the institution of slavery, and, to a lesser extent, women's rights. However, as the 1860s dawned and a new man was elected president, the country suddenly found itself in turmoil. Fearing the potential loss of their economic way of life, the southern states began succeeding from the Union and declaring they would make their own country where slavery could stay in place, untouched, and free to flourish. The president charged with maintaining the Union and trying to bring the country back from civil war was a quiet, tiny little fellow known as Abraham Lincoln. You may have heard about him somewhere. Though purposeful, Lincoln was anything but tiny, standing at six feet, four inches. And he was committed to trying to get the country back together as quickly as possible. Seeing the war as an opportunity to finally rid the country of the ills of slavery, Truth joined the likes of Harriet Tubman in promoting the enlistment of black soldiers to fight on the side of the Union. Supporting the Union early, Truth made a trip to an Indiana courthouse to preach her allegiance and to suggest arming black men to fight for the cause. Not everyone was willing to hear her message, however, and Truth was arrested for violating a state law prohibiting people of African descent from entering the state. After some maneuvering, she was released after 10 days in jail. During the Civil War, Truth lived briefly in Detroit, where she delivered goods and supplies to the Union troops. Having perfected her preaching through years of traveling and supporting the abolitionist cause, Truth refocused her talents in rallying men to sign up for service during the war. Truth was also an early supporter of President Lincoln, making several speeches on his behalf during his campaign for re-election. Though well-known amongst the abolitionist and religious crowd, Truth began to receive national attention and, for lack of a better word, celebrity, during the Civil War. This is in part thanks to a series of publications purporting to tell her story. However, in both instances, Truth becomes a symbol 
uh, a mere caricature of who she really was and what she stood for. Like so many times in her life, Truth was stripped of the ability to craft her own message and document her own experiences. She was strong, intelligent, and committed to her beliefs. However, in the hands of others, she was lost. On one end of the spectrum, Truth was a staunch abolitionist who opposed the fight for women's rights. On the other, she was pro-feminism and believed it the key issue. In reality, Truth believed and preached her support of both causes. The first false depiction came at the hands of Harriet Beecher Stowe, author of the American classic Uncle Tom's Cabin. Stowe, committed to the abolitionist cause, wrote an article for Atlantic Monthly in 1863 titled Sojourner Truth, The Libyan Sybil. In her flowery piece of fiction, Truth apparently shared her story of coming over from Africa with her mother and father, and who found the Lord while held in bondage. In Stowe's portrait of Truth, she broke into religious song and sang, quote, with the barbaric accent of the native African, and with those indescribable upward turns and those deep gutturals, which give such a wild, peculiar power to the Negro singing, end quote. Mind you, Truth was born in Dutch New York and likely carried no trace of African dialect. In Stowe's version, Truth did not understand the fight for women's rights and thought women simply had to only take the rights they were in want of. And in an odd decision, Stowe wrote of Truth as if she were dead. She inserted apparent quotes from Truth that carried a distinctive Southern slave feel. For example, when covering Truth's story about her discovering her son had been sold illegally to a family in Alabama, Stowe apparently documents what Truth said, quote, Well, you know, de law had passed dat de colored folks was all free, and my old missus, she had a daughter, married about this time, who went to live in Alabama. And what did she do but give her my son, a boy about de age of dis year, for her to take down to Alabama, end quote. The entire article quotes truth in this manner, using vernacular she likely never used, given her youth was spent in New York. Stowe was primarily interested in using truth as an example to promote the ills of slavery, and focused more on crafting a narrative that supported her ends than in crafting a true picture of Sojourner Truth, the person. Not to be outdone, Stowe's 1863 article was followed up with another piece, this time written by Francis Dana Gage. Gage's article claimed to contain a transcription of a speech given by Truth some 12 years after the fact. This time, the story of Sojourner Truth was to highlight the cause for women's rights. Again, employing the use of that southern slave vernacular, Gage published a version of the speech that is today widely considered unreliable and inaccurate. Like I mentioned last time, if you know of Sojourner Truth, the chances are it is because of the fictional speech, known today as Aren't I a Woman? In her article, Gage captures Truth's apparent sermon on the need for women's rights by saying, quote, That man, Oberdar, say that women needs to be helped into carriages and lifted ober ditches, and to have de best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me into carriages, or ober mud puddles, or gives me any best place, and ain't I a woman? End quote. 
Compare this quote to the one I shared from Marcus Robinson in last week's episode, and you can see why Gage's version is troublesome. Unfortunately, Truth was at the mercy of those who wrote about her and supposedly covered her words, never learning to write for herself. This leaves a large gap in the historical record when trying to understand her as a person with multiple layers of complexity. There was at least one upside to the publication of these profiles. Sojourner Truth, ex-slave and passionate preacher, was now nationally known. This meant she could sell more of her narrative to raise money for preaching efforts and pay off her little home in Michigan. By no means a passive person, Truth sought to reclaim her story the only way she knew how, portraiture. Due to advancements in photo technology, small portraits, known as carte de visite, were used like calling cards for well-known individuals. These small visuals became highly popular during the Civil War, and Truth, who, again, could not read or write, used these as another means of raising funds for her travel. But the pictures of Truth also help provide clarity for someone whose identity and story was used and abused to meet others' agendas. Sitting for at least 14 portraits, Truth carefully crafted her image. Simply dressed with minimal background, Truth tried to portray an unfiltered look at the woman behind the stories. So despite the slanted and flawed portraits written about Truth, her national recognition provided her the opportunity to meet with sitting President Abraham Lincoln. As a staunch supporter of Lincoln, whom she referred to as, quote, a Daniel in the lion's den, end quote, she was very excited at the prospect of meeting the man who freed the slaves with his Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Fellow abolitionist and colleague Harriet Tubman was less impressed with Lincoln, not entirely trusting his motives, citing the pay difference between black and white soldiers as an example of his lack of commitment to true freedom for black people. Coordinated by Mrs. Lincoln's personal attendant, Elizabeth Keckley, Truth and her white female companion, Lucy Coleman, met with Lincoln on the morning of October 29, 1864. Upon her arrival, Truth was initially denied entry since blacks were not allowed in the White House. However, after some intervention and explanation, Truth was able to enter the mansion with her white escort. What happened next is up for some debate, as Truth told a very different version of events than her counterpart Coleman. In Truth's version, Lincoln was ever the gracious host, saying, quote, I am proud to say that I never was treated with more kindness and cordiality than I was by the great and good man Abraham Lincoln, end quote. She was ecstatic to have Lincoln sign her autograph book, where he made a dedication in her honor, writing, quote, For Auntie Sojourner Truth, October 29th, 1864, A. Lincoln. Can I just pause here and say, how cool is that? Collecting autographs was popular during this time period, and people were willing to affix their signatures to most anything placed in front of them. But still, Abraham frickin' Lincoln? I'm a little jealous. Okay, moving on. However, in her telling of the events, Lucy Coleman paints a different picture. Instead of effusive and kind, she described Lincoln as stilted and uncomfortable, rushing her and Truth out of his office as quickly as possible. 
Throughout the Civil War, Truth worked to aid former enslaved individuals and families by working with the Freedmen's Bureau in Washington, D.C. In her post, she focused on finding suitable employment for the men so they could become self-sufficient and stop depending on government assistance. This proved challenging since most slaves were not taught to read or write and had limited skills in the trades. Post-Civil War, the district outlawed streetcar segregation in 1865, though many failed to follow the law. Truth, who needed public transportation to get around, faced a series of issues when trying to board supposedly integrated cars. Truth was dragged down the street while trying to board a car and was forcibly removed during another attempt at boarding, causing injury to her arm. Keep in mind, listeners, in 1865, Truth was an old woman, likely pushing 70. In the exchange with the driver who caused her to injure her arm, Truth successfully got the driver fired and had him arrested for assault and battery. Mike, drop. While slaves were now quote-unquote free, they still lacked access to the franchise, limiting their power. In this post-slavery world, the abolitionists and the women's rights activists began to split, and both wanted Sojourner Truth as their spokesperson. As a black, formerly enslaved woman, Truth represented both fights, all in one. She tried to stay neutral as she supported both causes equally. For Truth, suffrage was a way to achieve equality and financial independence, and she believed the vote should be for women and men regardless of skin color. Others, like Frederick Douglass, thought it important to secure the rights available at the moment and not hold out for universal suffrage, which would include women. Truth was eventually forced to pick a side. Either she would turn her back on the efforts at reconstruction and securing the franchise for black men and dedicate all her efforts to the work of women's suffrage, or she would support the small but substantial step of securing the right to vote for at least some of her fellow Americans. Truth, perhaps trying to be pragmatic and understanding that progress happens in small steps, chose to support the organization that fought for the right to vote, regardless of sex, and backed the American Women's Suffrage Association. Another mission close to Truth's heart was the resettlement of formerly enslaved individuals. While she was not as successful as she'd hoped in finding new employment for former slaves, Truth believed she could improve their lives if she was able to relocate them west. In the West, Truth thought, becoming a landowner would provide an opportunity for the newly freed black families to make their own way in the world. Looking to the reservation system employed by the United States in rehousing various indigenous tribes, Truth sought out support for a similar option for freed slaves. Working with fellow abolitionists, Truth created a petition to submit to Congress, quote, to the Senate and House of Representatives in Congress assembled, whereas through the faithful and earnest representations of Sojourner Truth, who has personally investigated the matter, we believe that the freed colored people in and about Washington, dependent upon government for support, would be greatly benefited and might become useful citizens by being placed in a position to support themselves. We, the undersigned, therefore, earnestly request your honorable body to set apart for them a portion of the public land in the West and erect buildings thereon for the aged and infirm 
and otherwise so to legislate as to secure the desired results. End quote. Truth traveled the country trying to drum up support for the petition, paying her way through selling her portraits and copies of her narrative. Starting her tour in Rhode Island in February 1870, Truth spent almost the entire year on the road. And I do not mean to belabor the point, but I do just want to celebrate and highlight that Truth was doing all of this while pushing 80 years old. This was during a time when the average lifespan in the United States hovered around 40, so 77 was considered ancient. She should have been at home enjoying her retirement, not traipsing across the country to trying to establish a colony for newly freed slaves. But despite her best efforts, Truth's proposal did not gain the necessary traction, and Black Americans were left with an unfinished effort at Reconstruction, further limiting their opportunities and chances for success for several future generations. It seems as though Truth finally calmed down a bit in her twilight years, though she did meet both President Andrew Johnson and Ulysses S. Grant before she passed away on November 26, 1883. Her supposed last words were, quote, Be a follower of the Lord Jesus, end quote. Truth was celebrated in death, with a large funeral held in the Congregational Presbyterian Church. Frederick Douglass, her contemporary and fellow abolitionist whom she didn't always see eye to eye with, eulogized her, saying, quote, Distinguished for insight into human nature, remarkable for independence and courageous self-assertion, devoted to the welfare of her race, she has been for the last 40 years an object of respect and admiration to social reformers everywhere, end quote. I think that captures it quite nicely. For me, Sojourner Truth represents a woman who was born into a world at a deficit and chose to persevere and stay true to her ideals. She refused to bow down to those whom she was told were her superior. Whether it was suing a white man who illegally sold her son or getting a violent streetcar conductor fired, Truth refused to allow the circumstances she was born into limit her abilities. And for that, she will always remain one of my favorite women in history. Before I sign off today, I gotta do my social plugs. If you want to connect on social media, I'm on Instagram at Civics and Coffee, all one word, on the Twitter at CivicsPod, and the Facebook at Civics and Coffee. I also started up a TikTok. Just go look for Civics and Coffee. You can also reach me on the website at www.civicsandcoffee.com. The website also lists source material and ways you can donate to the pod, should you so choose. A free way to show your support is to rate and review the show. By rating the pod, it helps get the show into more people's ear holes. And of course, who wouldn't want more history in their lives? Am I right? Thanks, peeps. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. 